0: In a memoir that is part true crime, part horror, a pop princess details how her life was taken captive by her family and how we all just stood by and watched. The pop princess, Britney Spears. The book, The Woman and Me by Britney Spears. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's, Let's get get lit. Lit. And this is Alexis. And you're listening to Lit Society, a show about books and drama. We're going to hop right into the book right away because we know that's why y'all are here. And then toward the end of our show, we'll do our theme of the week. And the theme of the week is where we pick a discussion, a short, brief discussion um, based on the book. So getting right into our book, Alexis, do you have any context about our author? Someone, you know, none of us have ever heard of. Britney Spears. Mm. Um, no, I, I thought we would learn everything from the book. So I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. OK, can you give us a brief spoiler free
1: synopsis of the book? OK, from singing on coffee tables as a little girl to performing on some of the world's largest stages, Britney Spears takes us on a journey as she battles the paparazzi and her family for freedom.
0: Kari, mm-hmm. who do you think would enjoy reading this book? I think um, anyone who is, of course, a fan of Britney Spears' music um, or just interested in her experience under a conservatorship, an arrangement that many of us had never heard of before her, I think she details it uh, very well. And you'd be interested in reading this book. Also, if you're just here for uh, what's been at the top of the headlines, for example, her celebrity relationships, uh, she does go into detail about that. I feel like um, in a, you know, a significant way. So that, if that interests you, this book is for you. And Alexis, why did you choose uh, The Woman and Me by Britney Spears? Well, usually during this time of year, we select a um, m- memoir to end out yeah. the year.
1: And, you know, we had so many to choose from. So we figured let's just dive into as many as we could. And this is Brittany. And why not?
0: hmm. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll dive into the memoir, detailing everything, telling all the business. You ready? OK, let's do it. All right. <laughs> Please take us into a deep dive into the memoir "The Woman and Me" by Britney Spears. Gladly.
1: Okay, so um, let's say Britney starts by telling us that um, tragedy runs in her family. Her paternal grandfather June Spears was abusive. Her, um, her paternal grandmother Emma Jean. Um, Her baby died when it was three days old and June sent Jean to an asylum where she was placed on lithium. And then eight years later, she would um, Jean would take her own life at the age of 31 in 1966 on the grave of her child, her dead child. Mm -hmm. Brittany's father, Jamie, was 13 when this happened. Britney's grandfather, June, was an officer with the Baton Rouge the Police Department, and he was a sports fanatic. And he made his son exercise long past exhaustion. And when he finished, he would have him do um, uh, when he finishes basketball practice, he would have him uh, shoot more baskets before he could come inside. And I think it like, was like a hundred. Right. Yeah,
0: it was like an, it was never enough for him. He needed to. Um, achieve more success uh, in his father's eyes. And just going back to her grandfather, um, her grandmother wasn't the first uh, wife he had sent to an asylum. Yeah,
1: her grandmother was, and his second wife, he also sent to an uh, asylum. That was
0: it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. was pretty shocking to me. And it seems like uh, she probably had some postpartum depression, or she was just depressed because she lost That's her a child. Loss of her
1: child. Yes, that would that will do it. Yeah. Yes,
0: that happened. He would
1: go on to um, father ten children by three different wives, and his second wife, as um, we mentioned, was sent to a mental institution. She said no one has one good word to say about her grandfather the first 50 years of his life. Spears men are bad news, especially the way they treated women. Mm. One of her father's half sisters um, said June, that's the grandfather, sexually abused her from age 11 to 16 when she ran away. Brittany believes the trauma that her father experienced has everything to do with the way he treated her and her siblings. I
0: thought that was a mature way to look at it, because sometimes when we're hurt by family members, it's difficult for us to see why they may act the way they do. You know, hurt people, hurt people. And we're all hurting in some way. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. that was a mature way to look at it.
1: She said Jamie was reckless. That's her father. He was cold and he was mean towards her. And he was even worse towards her brother. Nothing was ever good enough. Her father um, pushed her brother to excel in sports just like his father did him. And her father, Jamie, was a drunk who would disappear for days at a time when he drank. And he, as I said, was mean. Her grandfather, June, actually softened as he got older. So Brittany didn't know the man that her father knew there were so many stories that were told and that didn't relate to her life as she was growing up with her grandfather the June she knew she said was patient and sweet wow and her parents they came from two different worlds her mom and her dad very different worlds her maternal grandmother was a lily cortell and was an elegant sophisticated and was from an elegant, sophisticated family in London. Her mother was British, and her father was from the uh, Mediterranean island of Malta. So I've her grandparents, there.
0: right? I was like, "Shout out Malta!" We've been talking about Malta a lot lately. Yeah, <laughs> I just discovered it. So I was like, <laughs> it's, "It's real. It's, it's in a, the British a real place, Facebook, Malta.
1: It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful." So during World War II, <laughs> Lily met. Lillianette-
0: no, moment for celebration. <laughs> and you've been watching this show for a while. Alexis likes to say she can't say W words. World War II is huge for her. So we want some applause for the audience. It is. It Thank is. you. It Thank, is. You. It is Thank really. you. That's my friend. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So her maternal grandmother, Lily, as I mentioned, met an American soldier, Barney Bridges. Um, Britney's nat- uh, maternal grandfather, is Bernie Bridges. Sorry. Um, the man took this British socialite <laughs> to his dairy farm in New Orleans and never let her leave the house and never let her leave again because he was fr- afraid she wouldn't return. She
0: fed them fears, too, because she'd be looking out the window like, I should sure do miss fair London. you <laughs> be like, girl, she- you don't go out there and squeeze the milk out them cows.
1: Yeah. So to say she was disappointed in her new lifestyle was probably an understatement. Mm-hmm. She went from the high life to cooking, cleaning and, clean and milking cows. And her reaction um, was to keep to herself and read. And um, Brittany says she missed London until the day she died because her grandmother had money. Brittany's mom, Lynn, and her siblings were well off in Louisiana. Brittany's parents, Jamie and Lynn, married at 21 and 23, and they were poor. Her mom would go on to school, become a teacher, and her father, a welder and a drinker. Her brother, Brian, was born in 1977. Her uh, mother would later file for divorce in 1980, but would um, take her husband back at the urging of her great uh, of her grandfather um, Brittany's grandfather, June, the mm-hmm. one that was abusive. Um, Brittany was born in December of 81. Her father would go on to start a, a fitness center called Total Fitness. And while he did really well um, and they were well off, when the business started to fail, he started drinking again. As a child, Brittany loved to play hide and seek. It was like the only way she felt she could get attention. She was also she also loved to sing and dance and do acrobatics. Um, she was the family entertainer. Brittany says her mom was a typical young Southern mom and she spent her time gossiping, smoking cigarettes <laughs> with her friends at the bar and talking on the phone and. Um, Britney, as a child, was kind of dead to them, all of them. The older kids didn't pay them no attention. They would be busy on their bar chairs watching TV, playing video games, and Britney, being the youngest, was really trying to fight for attention. And as I mentioned, she would be dancing on coffee tables for attention, and she was always trying to get everyone's attention. And her mama would tell her, "Girl, if you don't just sit down and be nice and be good, shoot, tired of you." It's like that. When Brittany won a local dance competition at the age of five, I think it was, um, her mother started taking her around to contests all around the region. And eventually she would learn about the all new Mickey Mouse Club and would drive to Atlanta, eight hours to Atlanta to audition. Now, she knew the cap was 10 and, and Brittany was eight at the time. So while she did get um, didn't get a spot, her and another young girl underage, Christina Aguilera, they were told that they were talented and that they should come back when they were older and had more experience. Um, and they also suggested that Britney um, go to New York um, to work and even recommended an agent to help um, that would help young performers. Britney's mom, they didn't go to New York right away and try to follow up on the um, the recommendations that the the man at the audition gave them. It would be more than six months later before Lynn Spears, Britney's mom, would send footage of Britney to the agent, Nancy Carson. And she asked. And when Nancy saw this, she asked them to come out to New York so she could meet little Britney. And after that, Britney was signed to a talent agency. Now, Britney wanted to be a star like Madonna, like Dolly Parton, like Whitney Houston. But she also dreamed some more, uh, would you say, regular <laughs> dreams? Like, I wish my father would stop drinking. Oh, yeah. I wish yeah. my mother would stop yelling. Mm-hmm. And I wish everything would be OK. Um, with her family, anything would go wrong, could go wrong. But. When Britney was performing, she felt like she was invincible.
0: I thought she described this well, that she was a shy kid who loved the limelight. And both things can be true because when all the attention was on her, she felt like she could control it maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit more Mm -hmm. as opposed to being discarded and not being shown shown daily love, like familial Mm -hmm. love on a daily basis. So this is how she got attention. But she was still very shy. Yeah, yeah. And so when she was
1: 10, she went to Star Search. You remember that show, Kari?
0: I mean, I've heard about it because wasn't everybody that was ever famous on Star Search once as a kid? Yes, yes. (laughs) Star Search was the show. I love you, Houston. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she was offered a job um she went on star
1: search she did that i mean i don't think she won but she was on there mm-hmm. um she talks about a weird interview in my opinion was a weird interview with ed mcmahon okay
0: i want to talk about this please go ed ahead mcmahon says you're a beautiful little girl do you have a boyfriend she goes, gaga goo goo no and he's <laughs> like uh can i be your boyfriend and she goes "What she say
1: I don't remember. So
0: I'm like, mm, I don't know. Whatever he said, she said, and then he goes, "I get that a lot." Now this is considered banter in yeah. the '90s. Yeah, it
1: it is true story. It's true yeah. story.
0: A lot of things in this book are shocking and appalling, but that's the '90s. <laughs> 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 yeah, you could ask little kids if they got a boyfriend and be like, Can I be a boyfriend? Little, little girl, kids. A little kids. But not in secret on the public stage. That's bantered. This isn't something this man was doing at the time necessarily, I believe, to be a creep. Somebody wrote that. The writers yeah. was like, in his ear, like, Ask her if she got a boyfriend. It's gross. Why? Are Disturbing. You a child You're that? right. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while
1: she's in the New York area, she would be offered a job to be an understudy in an off-Broadway musical called Ruthless. And the other understudy was Natalie Portman. Brittany said the experience was validation that she could make it in the theatrical world. She worked nearly every day, had no time for friends and or to be a regular kid. With those experiences, she was able to go back to the Mickey Mouse Club at 10 years of age and get booked. Other Mouseketeers included Christina Aguilera, Carrie Russell, Ryan Gosling, Tony Luca, whom she had a crush on, and Justin Timberlake.
0: Real quick here, um, Natalie Portman is, of course, a child star who also faced... Some backlash at the early point of her career for being overly sexualized as a child and her parents stood behind it. And I thought it was very interesting that Brittany, Christina, Natalie, all these kids growing up, the producers that were over their projects obviously were eager to sexualize these little girls. Yeah. Little girls, little girls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whether it was acting or music, photography, whatever. That was world and I'm not we sure we do in, that apparently.
1: anymore. Oh, we, we probably don't.
0: do. Do we? Probably do, yeah. I don't know if we be so blatant with it. Like, I think, I don't know. Hmm. I think if you uh, dress a preteen up in leather. Oh, Balenciaga. Did nobody stand for that? They got them up out of there. Did I only they know they one know? family still wear them. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Just something I'm, I was thinking about reading this book. Like, yeah. hmm, I don't yeah. know we do
1: that. And that's just a few of the people um, that she musketeered with. And she quickly connected to Justin. When within a couple of weeks of them arriving there, her grandmother died and but they couldn't afford a ticket to go back. And Justin's mom loaned them the plane fare so that they could go to the funeral. She, Brittany said that that musketeer family was a family, a real family mm-hmm. for her. Uh, and you know when you don't have family or your family doesn't feel familiar, you'll look for that anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it seems she was doing that. The hope the show helped Brittany decide that she wanted to sing and dance. She like I want this to be my career. And when the show ended, her castmates went on to continue chasing their dreams. They went to New York. They went to California. But Brittany went back to her hometown because she wanted. normalcy of that normalcy yep
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is also uh alexis lore
1: if you listen to our show i'm gonna say y'all
0: new i love that Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's my favorite
1: (laughs) (laughs) would eventually miss performing so she went back home to her hometown of kentwood louisiana and she missed performing she was getting in all kind of stuff and her mom um, would eventually send some videos of her singing, and she recorded a demo. The song that she recorded for her demo was originally for Tony Braxton, and it was called Today. Um, around the same time, Justin Timberlake was joining in sync, and another former castmate was joining the all girl group. But Britney decided she was good with going solo. She was singing for a record executive and they signed her with Jive Records at the age of 15. Her mother was teaching second grade, so a family friend, Miss Faye, um, would go with her everywhere. And Britney, they put Britney in the studio immediately. Um, Brittany was a people pleaser. She wanted attention. She wanted people to like her and she was young, so she did whatever they asked. She wanted to sing and she wanted to dance. That was it. And she was committed to creating or doing things as perfectly as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, she recorded her first album from like 1997 to 1998. She recorded in New Jersey and she recorded in Sweden. She said it didn't even really matter because it was just like one booth to another. Mm-hmm. She was just hard working, recording in a booth, getting that sound out. Um, Britney had a strong work ethic, um, but Miss Faye, Miss Faye, I think you called her, but her name was Felicia, would encourage Britney to take breaks. Britney was 16 when her first single hit the stores in October of 1998. Her album, Baby One More Time.
0: <laughs> what was it called? <laughs> I think, think it was called me one call baby, one one <laughs> Give me baby One More Time. Baby One Baby One More Time. Don't be acting like you too good to sing these songs as we talk about them. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh,
1: was released January 12, 1999. Hitch me, Baby, uh,
0: one more time. <laughs> I was, so I
1: was reading I my notes. Were... I was reading my notes and it said, Baby, one more I said, like, that's not how that song goes. So I was like, Baby. <laughs> yeah, anyway, right.
0: Anyway, Alexis thinks she's better than us, y'all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that album, so... Over 10 million copies. And it so quickly. She was the first woman to debut a number one single I, and an I, album I, I. at the same time. That's, That's what, she, what she
0: says. She was 16 going on 16, going on 17. 17. Um, yep. But yeah, that was the marketing that this was a femme fatale Lolita. Ooh. And she was a woman in a
1: girl's body. But she was a she was oh right that that expression the first. But you're moment. right, like categorically, yeah. she yeah.
0: is the first woman to have right. reached that uh, goal. Yeah, but she was still a child. Mm-hmm. Um, she started
1: touring with NSYNC, and pretty soon, her and Justin inseparable. They were in love.
0: I also want to mention here, like before NSYNC was formed and before Britney made a solo, her first kiss was with Justin Timberlake to a Janet Jackson song.
1: Really? A lot going I down there. <laughs> <saying>. Yes. <laughs> Listen, we got words about Justin anyway, so put yeah, him wherever you want to. Okay. Anyway, so Brittany said, InSync hung out with black artists." Brittany be taking some digs in here, <laughs> and they make me laugh. Okay. <laughs> so, Instinct was hanging out with black artists, and she felt like they was trying a little bit too hard to fit in. Too much. She speaks about a time where Justin saw Genuine and Brittany didn't say Genuine. Genuine's name. <laughs> she didn't say Genuine's name. She did not. She was like a, a man who was flanked by two giant
0: security guards. And she said, <laughs> she said, oh, she's, Genuine. That was Justin greeting Genuine. Oh, faux she's Genuine. Genuine, what's up, homie? What's up, homie? <laughs> <laughs> to the streets. And after
1: they walked away, Miss Fee, Miss Fee, Fee, whatever her name is, mocked
0: Justin. <laughs> if y'all listen to this audiobook, the great Michelle Williams is the auditor. And her saying this is a lot. Hilarious. This is also after Britney says sync was considered so pimp because they hung out with Black artists while the Black Street Boys uh, the Backstreet Boys Backstreet. <laughs> purposely marketed themselves as a white group. That's going to be our theme of the week. But go ahead and continue. You <laughs> 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 <It's a lot. laughs> <Bridget> can see <laughs> earlier how um, um,
1: the interviewers questioned her versus the way they questioned the boy band. Um, she was objectified early and the press really made her uncomfortable. By this time, Brittany was breaking records. Uh, She had been called the princess of pop. She had become one of the best-selling female artists of all time. In 2000, at the 2000 VMAs, she performed I Can't Get No Satisfaction and Oops, I Did It Again. Wade Robeson choreographed it and she liked working with him as um, he knew how to make her look strong and feminine. Emmett. MTV would later sit her in front of a monitor and have her watch strangers in Times Square give their opinion on her performance. And Britney was hit with some criticism. Good job, but a little too skimpy, too sexy. Not a good example for kids. Uh, She was accused of being inauthentic and the cameras were just awaiting her reaction. Britney kind of said, I know not everybody's going to like me, but I just got to be me. And I'm not the children's parents.
0: So I don't disagree with the people that were saying this is like too much. Mm -hmm. Um, But why all this? uh, Why does Brittany have to bear the brunt of this? There are a team of adults around her, including her parents and guardians that are allowing this. She was also photographed. Go ahead. Yeah, good. That pushed it. Thank you. Right, Christ and um, a very f- famous photographer, oh, La Chapelle, I want to say. Yep, yep. Um, photographed her holding in a her Teletubby and lingerie. in lingerie. If that's underwear. not um, pedophilistic, what what is it? So there are adults around her. How come? Uh, it's just it's just odd. It's odd to sit a teenager down and be like, "Do better." little girl <laughs> when she got a whole team of adults around her puppeteering mm-hmm. her behavior.
1: And, you know? and Brittany was young. So she was just doing, like I said, doing what the adults said, doing, following on, following instructions because she wanted to be a success. Mm-hmm. That's what she did. So in an effort to protect her heart from criticism and to keep her focus on what was important, Brittany started reading religious books and taking Prozac um, with a success With the success of the album and her first tour, she was able to build a house for her mom and settle her father's debts. She wanted to give them a clean slate. 2001 Mm. was a busy for her. She performed at the 2001 Super Bowl halftime show with Aerosmith, Mary J. Blige, Nelly, and N. She landed um, on the most powerful women list powerful women's list of celebrities. And in 2002, she would be number one overall. She co-hosted the 2001 American Music Awards with LL Cool J. Her and Justin, color coordinated. There was a little matchy matchy in the denim and they were in love.
0: Yeah, that's forever burnt into everyone's brains. That (laughs) denim dress and that (laughs) denim tuxedo. So much (laughs) denim. Denim. (laughs) Britney performed
1: her hit song that year. I'm a slave for you while holding an albino Burmese python. She said the experience was more terrifying than it appeared. During the performance, the snake brought its head right around to her face and started hissing. But Britney did her job. She's a performer and she was in costume. Days before 9-11, Britney performed a duet, um... The Way You Make Me Feel with Michael Jackson to celebrate the 13th anniversary of his solo career at Madison Square Garden. She was hired to f- perform the Joy of Pepsi commercials. She even did a Shonda Rhimes movie called Crosswords,
0: Crossroads. <laughs> now you, no, you forgiven. You forgiven. You forgiven <laughs> about that one. But do you remember them iconic Pepsi commercials? <laughs> yes, those I remember with Beyonce, Pink, Britney Spears. Where did Pepsi get the money? Because I ain't never seen nobody drink <laughs> <laughs> them. Government look the government. into that. <laughs> Not the government.
1: <laughs> anyway, so she took on this role. Anyway, she took on this um, role uh, as a character in Crossroads, and um, she she fell into method acting. She
0: said. <laughs> She she became. <laughs> I don't know. I want to take this seriously.
1: God, do you? Okay.
0: <laughs> she, uh, she fell
1: into my, acting. She kind of ugh, wholly became this character that she played and she could not break out of character. And Justin would be like,
0: Why are you walking like that? Who really are you? <laughs> and then she went to CBS to get lipstick once with a friend <laughs> and came out cured. <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little but she was like shopping Pretty with a much. friend and she said when she left the store she was Brittany again mm-hmm. yeah that's what she said,
1: that's the, what cure she said had been,
0: the spell had been cured
1: <laughs> so, so she said um, that was the beginning of the end of her acting career because that, that um, taking over a character was too much for her and she said um, she did have, however have an opportunity to get the lead role in The Notebook and she turned out an opportunity to play in Chicago, which she later regretted. She and Justin, Chicago the, the time, musical, yes, the musical. <laughs> just be clear. Mm-hmm. She and Justin were living together in Orlando. They was couple couple. Mm-hmm. She would come back every few months so they could be together for two weeks or two months. They would just it was they was living their life, you know, traveling, doing their tours, and then coming back and to their home base and loving on each other. Brittany said she knew Justin had cheated. A couple examples. She said one of her dancers said Justin just uh, gestured toward a girl and said he hit that last night. And some said he was just saying it to brag and that he was high. But there were other rumors as well. Um, he was also photographed um, with a woman in a car with him. And even though Britney cheated with Wade Robson. um, They move past it and they stay together. And she thought um, they would be together forever. That's what she thought. But when Brittany got pregnant, Justin didn't think it was the right time for them to have a baby. And at his behest, she got an abortion. Justin didn't even want her to go to a doctor, the hospital. They said, we're going to do everything at our apartment, our house here. That's what we're going to do. And Justin and Miss Fee were the only ones who knew about it.
0: And she said to this day, it was one of the most like painful, agonized experiences of her life. She took some pills and just stayed in the bathroom dying from the inside out. Justin came in with his guitar, like, three blind mice. (laughs) Three blind mice. So. never
1: took her to the hospital and she was messed after that messed up after that for a long time and she still loved that man she loved that man oh that's interesting she doesn't say
0: that but that's vibes right
1: oh like she
0: said she did she said said she still Mm -hmm. loves justin
1: yep she still loved that man after that happened
0: oh after that happened not down to this day not down to this day oh okay okay i thought she was like interpolating girl No. no We'll talk about that.
1: When (laughs) Justin started working on his first solo album, he started distancing himself from her. Like Brittany thinks it's because he started to use her as ammunition for his album and he couldn't have her being all lovey-dovey up on him with all her affection and devotion (laughs) and stuff. (laughs) That wasn't going to work if you're trying to be, you know, hard and like this woman hurt me.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, she's making you a casserole. That don't even work.
1: <laughs> don't work. Um, Justin broke up with uh, Brittany by text message,
0: y'all. By the text a message okay? Basically, he put a post-it on her computer and was like, don't <laughs> hate me. So listen, he wrote her a letter. I did not don't, understand Don't get this. that. Don't go okay. that far. Don't go that far. Justin,
1: um, <laughs> She was in love with Justin, y'all. She was in love with Justin. He hurt her. She took the breakup hard. She could barely speak for months. Whenever somebody would ask her about Justin, she would cry. She was having a hard time. She had just gone through an abortion and she was coping with this breakup. It was all happening too fast. Um, everyone who knew her thought something was wrong. She went back home. Um, She couldn't even talk to her family and friends about it, about it. She barely left the house and Justin would come and visit her. And Kari, what happened?
0: He wrote her a letter saying he can't breathe. And she said to this date, even to talk about it makes her want to cry. She put that Mm -hmm. letter under her bed and I think it's still under her bed at her house today. Mm -hmm. She still has it. So he broke up with her and he telling her, I can't breathe without you. Listen, I don't want to get back together, but I'm hurting. <laughs> what? Gosh. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. And it was extremely heartbreaking, even more so because she looked at his family as her family. Yes. When breaks came and holidays came, she was looking to spend time with his family, his yeah. parents, his extended family, not hers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when... He broke up with her. She lost a whole family.
1: <laughs> she lost a whole family. As you know, her family wasn't very familiar for her. So she was always looking. And Justin's family was right there, scooped her up, was loving on her in a way that she felt like they were her own. She thought
0: they was going to be together forever. Now, Brittany better than me. Because Justin would have went to visit his mama and me and his mama be on the porch <laughs> like, oh, hey, no! I'm just talking we to your mom about my trifling ex-boyfriend. We will <laughs> still be friends to this day. Okay. <laughs> to this day. I break up with families. <laughs> <laughs>
1: OK, so after this breakup, Brittany has to go back to work because she she has some contractual obligations. So she did the tour, finishes up the tour. And when the tour is over, she wants to go home and rest and Still have hasn't dealt with the breakup, this abortion she's experienced. And um, but her team wants her to do an interview so people know that she's all right. So she does this interview at home and. During the interview, her mom is there and she tells him Brittany is doing beautifully. She has never even been close to a breakdown. Brittany said, when you are successful at doing something, there is a lot of pressure to keep doing it, even if you don't want to. And we have seen that in the case with um, what's the child's name? Oh, yeah, sure. the Will Smith daughter.
0: Yeah, I'm glad my mom died. They wanted to keep going. Mm-hmm. Jeanette McCurdy.
1: Well, her and um, Will Smith's daughter. Oh, Willow. Sure. Willow. Yes. I wanted to call her Jaden. Okay, so during this time that she's going through this breakup, she's back home trying to recover. But, you know, her team is sending her out to do work Um, during this time. Her mom had divorced her dad and her mom was depressed and self-medicating and she could barely get off the couch. Her dad was nowhere to be found. And she had this whole other label for her sister, um, Jamie Lynn, spoiled, entitled, brat. That ain't that ain't She's the label. not a fan
0: of the little sister. <laughs> no,
1: no. Um, when she was on tour, she didn't pay attention to what was happening at home. But girl, when she came home and she saw how things had really changed, her mom was literally catering to Jamie Lynn. Um, Jamie Lynn ruled the roost. She was speaking disrespectfully to her mom. Um, Brittany asked, Mama, you gonna let her talk to you like that? Her mother, who at one time she felt like was the closest person in the world to her, was on a completely different planet. Brittany felt betrayed by how uh, Jamie Lynn had changed. She brought a house for Jamie Lynn to grow up in, and Jamie Lynn didn't even seem appreciative. She heard that Jamie Lynn had said, why she get us this house? <laughs> Brittany brought the house because she wanted Jamie Lynn to have a better house than she did. At home, Brittany felt alone. She had no one to talk to. She didn't fit in. She didn't feel like she fit in at home. and She again was still reeling from the breakup. She said she was growing up. Becoming a woman, but going backwards at the same time. She was becoming younger in her mind. She felt like Benjamin Button. Y'all remember that movie? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And becoming more vulnerable, she said she started to feel like a child again. In 2002, during an interview with Barbara Walters, actually, I won't talk about this, but do you remember that Barbara Walters interview that Justin did?
0: Oh, yeah, I was going to say, do you mean Diane Sawyer? But for Justin's no, this is Barbara interview. Walters.
1: Yeah, for Justin. Mm-hmm. About the horrible woman. Yeah, um, he part. Uh,
0: on the spot did a little performance, which I think you can still find, mm-hmm. where he sings a song he made about a horrible woman who broke his heart. But it's OK because, you know, she. Introduced him to a woman, a horrible woman. I forget, but yeah. You can make a no one asked about it. a horrible woman.
1: Yeah, no one asked for it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That was Justin. He was promoting his new album. Uh, his single, uh, Cry Me Re- River, had been released. And we all know it's a woman that looks like Britney. Cheating on him. In the video. and mm-hmm. In the video. And he's wandering around looking sad in the rain. <laughs> mm-hmm. And dancing. In the media. And hip hop dancing, mm-hmm. pop locking. <laughs> That's hip hop, yes. That <laughs> set it up, okay. In the media, that she song was still about, though. Ooh, <laughs> no lies told. Listen, that's Timberland's <laughs> song, in my opinion. She was vilified as the one who broke precious Justin's heart. Not America's sweetheart. America's golden boy. The truth was she was comatose in Louisiana, and he was happily running around Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And in the press and interviews, Justin never mentioned that he cheated on her because he didn't have she to. Said, we knew. <laughs> yeah, <"M- laughs> okay, okay. No, I don't know. Allegedly, just. Um, Allegedly, allegedly. Uh, She said men are encouraged to talk trash about women um, to become famous and powerful. And Britney felt shattered by his words, the things that he was doing in the media. And she knew that the hip hop music of the time um, supported his album and the things that he did. It was all about getting revenge on women for perceived disrespect. She referenced Eminem's violent revenge song about Kim and how popular it was. Um, but her case, it wasn't true. She wasn't any of those things or, you know, um, and Crimea river did very well and it shamed her. Mm. And Justin doesn't know to
0: this day how it affects her. She says, I say, he don't care. Cause oh. he did. <laughs> Janet dirty too. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't want to <laughs> speak for nobody, but girl, he also don't care. Mm, also don't care. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. When he just holding hands with a coworker, whole married man the other day. uh, that ain't none of my
1: business uh, he is married ain't he -hmm. sip that tea Britney (laughs) with children Britney was getting booed everywhere she went after that song came out she was even booed by the whole audience at a Lakers game her management team however had presented her as an eternal virgin and Brittany was like, I've been sexually active since I was 14. I don't even
0: know why they went with that. Yeah. But that is all and part of that. Justin gave the um, perception that he took her virginity. That's not true. A lot of icky things. Mm-hmm. So, but it was like mm-hmm. fair game, especially now that she's over yeah. 18. And mm-hmm. I mean, even now, if you Google like the, the formation of American music, I feel like on Wikipedia, it's just Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Y'all Google that. Really? I know I'm not tripping. So, Amer- the people love Justin, the Googler. Yeah, I'm asking you, Googled Googler. <laughs> yeah, I ain't American c- what? American music. Yeah, something like that. Girl, stop here. I'll get it for you because I know it's the truth. So, um, Brittany
1: says she grew up with a guilty conscience and felt a shame, a sense of shame um, that her family thought she was just bad. She was always trying to. Be better for her family. Um, So when things were happening um, in the media and she was getting all this flack, she felt sad, lonely, and it was her fault. She deserved it. All those things that you do when you feel like you're responsible for something. But that's because of the way you've been treated your whole life. So you internalize it and make it about you.
0: Gaslighting to the point of brainwashing. Mm -hmm. And the Wikipedia page is tied up Music History of the United States. <laughs> and actually, no, it's Justin Timberlake and people from like the 60s and 20s. <laughs> so I guess not just him. Okay. Not
1: just him. No. OK, listen, Justin framed that their time together that she was the bad guy and she believed it. And so she felt like she was under a curse. She was so sensitive and young. She, You know, Brittany is not yet 20 at this point, I don't think. She's so sensitive and young and she's never again. I repeat this over and over again. Britney has not recovered from this abortion, this breakup. And but she has decided she's going to change her situation. There's Colin Farrell. We don't have to talk about him. And then there's the 2003 um, VMAs and where she she wants her performance to mirror her previous performances. So she does the kiss with Madonna. This jaw-dropping moment. Um, but she had also developed a relationship with Madonna in a way that she learned Madonna didn't compromise her vision. Um, Madonna said what she wanted. And that's something she aspired to be.
0: I mean, as much as I've ever heard Madonna doing, she kind of mentored Britney at this time. They worked mm-hmm. on um Against the Music together. Yep. And she just, it seems, was very open to teaching Britney some of what she learned along the way.
1: No, I think it took Britney a long time unless they just all focused on her career. Mm -hmm. So maybe she was different in her career, but she was suffering in her personal life.
0: Yeah. And Madonna probably could relate to that because she doesn't come from a strong, supportive family Mm -mm. either. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So
1: Brittany would go on to Vegas with some friends and end up in an intimate relationship with a childhood friend. And then those kids would go off and get married in Vegas. The next day, her family <laughs> shows up and they tell her that she got married and she needs to get the marriage annulled immediately. And, they she like, like and she's like, for, so
0: you act like I did something I bad.
1: <laughs> she's like, <laughs> I was married for 55 hours, but they made it seem like I had murdered somebody. I don't know what's going on here.
0: And I just find like, to wait, wonder. Brittany, that's wild. <laughs> <It's really laughs> you a whole, like, let's, let's, the, um the sanctity of marriage aside, You a whole multimillionaire. You can't just be marrying people.
1: (laughs) You Mm -hmm. cannot. (laughs) That's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And at this point, Brittany starts to wonder why her family is having such a huge reaction. Okay, so we talked about that a little bit. But she said she was financially supporting him. And then anybody that would come into her life would affect Yeah,
0: lives. it was threatening their livelihood. And it's hard because even if they really loved her at one point and wanted the best for her, she is their meal ticket. Yeah. So at some yeah. point, what's going to win out? What's best for her or what's best for your pockets? Pockets. Money
1: always wins, the don't The money it?
0: always wins. The money going to be winning. Ooh, it's
1: winning. Um, Yeah. So she gets... The marriage and Um, she's asked in interviews what she most wants. And her response was she wants time to herself. Brittany's still healing. Y'all um, she wasn't healing. She was still coping with life and she hadn't fully coped with it yet. She had um, a dream of finding true love and settling down. And she felt like her career was causing her to miss out on life. Okay, let's jump ahead. Brittany went out on tour again. The tear, the tour theme had dark themes. It was uh, moody lighting and it marked uh, a change in her relationship with her brother. Her brother had been working on her team. He was well paid. He had gotten some really financially lucrative deals for her and she had some resentment towards him. um, As she had to go back out on the road, he was comfortable in California. So she says she lost track of her brother during this um, those years. Um, and she felt like when she lost Justin, she also lost her brother at the same time. And she doesn't really talk about her brother anymore after this in the book. Um, she got some words for her little sister though. <laughs> lots. <laughs>
0: and lots. Christina Aguilera, let me just get to it right away, is ignored in this book in a way that is shady. Brittany will be like, it was me and another girl. Oh, yeah. Christina Aguilera. (laughs) This is her memoir.
1: Why she got to be talking
0: about She don't like uh, that girl. That's fine. Mm -hmm.
1: She said beautiful Christina, talented Christina. She used them phrases. Oh, see, did she? Look
0: at me in in shade. That's terrible. (laughs) I'm sorry, y'all. Go ahead, Alexis.
1: On this tour that she went on, um, she injured her knee and she had to reschedule some tour dates. Um, but in her mind, she had already started to check out. She wanted lightness and joy
0: in her life. Enter Kevin Federline. I remember him. How about he don't? She had met him. <laughs> <laughs> he walked right off the set of My Life and was like, "I need a future." <laughs> She met him at a club
1: in Hollywood. He made her feel like she could escape everything that was hard in life. And to her, he was steady, strong and a comfort. Something she needed at the time. And the thing she tells us about Kevin is that he gave her intimacy. He was just able to hold her for as long as she wanted to be held. And she couldn't recall having that in her life. And in a swimming pool at that. Brittany believes that women just want to be strong in the day and then held closely at night and told everything is going to be OK. That's what we really want. That's what Britney said. The desire to feel safe and alive and sexy all at the same time. And Kevin provided that for her. So she kept him close. And she also didn't have people to confide in. So she found out after they was dating for a little bit that um, his girlfriend was eight months pregnant. And With he had second a second child. child. I think. Yeah, he had a toddler <laughs> and his girlfriend is eight months pregnant. And she said, I was living in a bubble. I did not know about that. OK, I didn't know. No one was telling me, whispering in my ear until they finally whispered in my ear. and <laughs> said, You know, he got a baby,
0: right? Let's talk yeah. about this just for a second. Who is the handler in her life? I've heard talks about the conservatorship. Maybe we'll wait on this. That we didn't even get to that. I know. When we get to the conservatorship, that, I got questions related to this. There
1: was nobody. This fee person, I wondered if that was the person, but this. It, that seemed like it. a
0: hired friend that also did some firm. work like around.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. She she was just really supposed to be there to support. Brittany was alone, big time, alone. Wild. Parents mm-hmm. not around. Into mm-hmm. the spring of two thousand four, Kevin came on the road with her. Um, they had this schedule. She had to re- make up those dates, and she had somebody to come back to at the hotel. She wasn't alone, and he kept her distracted from what seemed to her life was feeling challenging, and. One time when they were flying home, she asked Kevin to marry her, and he said no. And then he asked her himself, he bagged a girl, he bagged a princess. They filmed Tour Diaries together, which would later become a reality show. Um, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic. Did you watch that? The girl, no, <laughs> my parents would
0: not be letting me watch no Chaotic,
1: but I do remember it. she said the onyx hotel tour was a a reaction to justin's embarrassing her so she overdid it with the sexuality and then she hated it so much that she wanted to get out of it um and she ends up injuring her knee and she needs surgery and she remembers the pain from her teenage years you know she had a surgery in, in her youth i didn't tell you that but now you know um And so she went on pain meds when they were offered to her. So she ended up taking Vicodin uh, because she didn't want to experience that level of pain again. She recovered at her apartment in Manhattan and she refused visitors. She didn't want to see nobody, no family, no nothing. Leave me alone. She felt like she earned the right to make her own decisions, her personal life and her personal life after such a grueling schedule and she felt like she was being manipulated and going right back into work after her breakup with Justin. we still
0: talking about
1: Justin. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And I can't remember if it's here or later when Paris Hilton comes by like a real friend. Like, I've never heard of that side of Paris Hilton showing up like, girl, you sad? let's be sad together. I bought snacks, movies. You know, let's what do you, in you these streets. need? And she still talks about Paris like a friend. Yeah. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, Um, in hindsight, she knew that she needed to take a break after her breakup with Justin. And it just didn't happen after she married Kevin. She started to think about starting a family. And also she started to think about saying no to things that just didn't feel right. Um, The tour was stopped. She parted ways with her managers. Uh, She posted a letter on her website to her fans saying she needed to take some time off. She said times are changing. And so was she. Um, And she had peace with that. So now she's pregnant. OK, so she gets pregnant. Uh, she says she's like a bear. She's like mean, mean. Um, she's so mean that Jamie Lynn has a TV gig and Jamie Lynn starts saying that um, co-stars is bothering her. Um, Brittany goes up to the TV set and goes off on the co-stars, which she later um re- because she said Jamie
0: Lynn was in the wrong. (laughs) She was like, I defend my sister one time. It ain't going to happen again. Won't be me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Listen, she had two babies
1: back to back and having her babies um, like that was hard on her body. Of course, that's back to back pregnancy is hard as it is. After the birth of the babies, the paparazzi, they dug in, they dug in. The media scrutiny was uh, constant. She thought they would leave her alone if she stayed out of the public eye. No, that makes it more intense. Brittany, more intense. Are they desperate to see you? She mentions her Southern upbringing and how she often called people sir or man, regardless of the age. But yes, she was treated with total disregard in the media and everything she did with the babies was chronicled and the paparazzi was there to watch it. Um, Do you remember when she drove off and the paparazzi was right there with the baby on her lap. They called oh, her I do remember
0: that they called her a mm-hmm. lot of things. Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, she speaks about the time when she was pregnant and the fans and the paparazzi were pushing in and she had the baby in her arm and a cup of water and her heel broke. And she was like, I need a gun. <laughs> and yeah, I think she told they, that
0: to the paparazzi and they like, wow, a woman driving with a baby on her lap talking about she need a gun. This is unstable. Let's sell Mm -hmm. pictures. And to me, this is when your close personal assistant or handler um, takes the baby. (laughs) Why is Brittany always alone? I remember wondering that, like, why are you so accessible and why are you always alone? Where are your Mm -hmm. bodyguards? Where is your handler? Where is someone Mm -hmm. to organize? You should just be walking straight to the car. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why are you driving? We ain't never seen Rihanna drive. We ain't never seen Beyonce drive. I ain't never seen Christina Aguilera drive. I've seen Britney drive a lot. Way too much. Why are you driving? She was on her own. That's why. Um, Kevin
1: started spending more time on his music, girl. He was trying to make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He was spending more time away from the family. And then one time um, Brittany showed up at his stuff and he was like, oh, I don't want to see her. He
0: was like smoking weed. It was like a club in there. Yes.
1: And I And she said, Kevin got sucked into this fame and notoriety. Notoriety. He didn't realize that fame wasn't real, but he was all sucked in and he was pushing her aside. And that happened a couple of times where she would show up where he was and He would say, that's what, that's what she said. They would tell her he didn't want to see her. Kevin would later say he would never have said that to her.
0: Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. So listen, when she had her second son in 2006, Jaden James, she and Kevin developed a strategy to kind of protect them from the paparazzi. They placed. blankets over their heads. The paparazzi was on a mission to get as many pictures as possible, no matter the cost. They were like stalking her. Mm -hmm. Um, She loved her body. After her second child, she felt good about herself. Um, She did an interview with Matt Lauer um, for Dateline. And he was like, people are asking questions. They want to know, are you a bad
0: mother? And um, um, A whole you, mat, L- Lauer. Yeah. I thought his no, name was Lowry, it. but that's the seasoning. Anyway, I know he put <laughs> ah. some seasoning on his some of his stories. Ah. <laughs> Allegedly. Listen, unfortunately for
1: Brittany. Her home was a safe haven. She and Kevin had built an incredible home. She said she and Kevin had built an incredible home in L.A. She had made every effort to make this home perfect. And um, it was cozy because she wanted her family close and right there, all lovey-dovey. She lived next to Mel Gibson and Olivia Newton-John. She was an overprotective mother. She admits that she didn't let her mother hold her babies for like two months. So while Brittany was feeling good in her body, she said her hormones were all over the place. She was bossy. She was mean. She was weird. Um, She also speaks about that Benjamin Button feeling again, the idea of aging backwards and you becoming childlike. And she was feeling that way. She started to have feelings of sadness, depression um, and fatigue, all symptoms of postpartum. Okay, right. She's having the the feelings and there's no one around. Britney and the paparazzi are constantly watching her and she is really feeling the pressure. Musically, though, Britney was feeling good. She was working on her fifth studio album, Blackout paparazzi pressure still high. Kevin is still doing his press and marketing Super Bowl. Listen, they had him do a Super Bowl um, commercials, commercial remember. and it was making fun of him. And she was like, I don't even think he knew. They was making fun of him. <laughs> yeah. And he would be in the press and things like being the father is the best thing in my life. And she was and like, like, father, never. where?
0: Father, who? you got to see your kids. <laughs>
1: Yes. Brittany filed for divorce in November 2006 to avoid embarrassment of Kevin filing first. She was um, encouraged to do that. They both filed for custody and re- and it was requested that Brittany pay all of
0: Kevin's legal bills. Because she filed first. So when they advised her to file first to avoid embarrass- embarrassment, they didn't mention the financial responsibility that would likely fall to her. So... <laughs> Again, where were the advisors? Nobody was there to support Britney. Mm -mm. Are you going to talk more about Blackout or no? Uh, No. Okay, then let me just say. Go ahead. Listen, Carrie Hilson, I don't know why you saved your best stuff for Britney Spears' album. But take some (laughs) of it for yourself. (laughs) Like I've been forgave you for whatever you said about holding that magazine. I ain't even really care. (laughs) You're a great (laughs) writer. You're a great musician. Um, she worked with some experimental musicians, Britney did on this album. And it came at a time in her life or it was finished when she wasn't ready to be in the limelight. So it mm-hmm. never really got the performance and the concert that it deserved. Right, right, so right. it's true, her true, favorite true. album, clearly. And anyone yeah. who's a Britney Spears fan loves that album. It's at the top of a lot of people's list. Yeah, she's, Not that I'm recommending she... it. I'm just saying it's her best.
1: She feels like it's her best work, her strongest work, the one the work she is most proud of. The youngest, her her, ch- her children were two months at the time. And the praise press kind of ate her up for breaking up the young family. And um, those that tried to be supportive of her were cruel to Kevin. And she didn't like that spin either. Um so after her divorce, this is where Paris Hilton comes in and serves as an emotional support to her. Like Kari said, mm-hmm. she hanging out with her, but she inside the house. But then she also encourages to get out of the house. Um, it's something she hadn't done in a long time. And so she went through this party and stage with uh, Paris Hilton. And she said she would make these arrangements for her children to be cared for. Her mom. And then she would go out with her friends. That's normal. That's normal. But yes, yeah, she still had a, a hard time at home. Her mom would make her feel ashamed um, and feel like the things that she was doing was forbidden. Um, and it just made it really hard on Brittany. She always made it feel like everything she did was bad. That's what her mom would do to her. Um this also marked a turning point in her relationship with her family because at the time when she needed the most grace, patience, empathy, they made her feel like she was worthless. And she even started speaking up for herself more and pushing back on um, on things. Um, so much, the family has so much emotional power over her, and she was trying to fight back. Mm-hmm. At that point, Brittany was suffering from some severe postpartum depression and she was feeling restricted and unprotected, and she gravitated toward people who would kind of serve as a buffer between her and her family. Kevin was trying to convince everybody. So not only was her family not comforting to her, but Kevin was on the outside saying she was out of control. She shouldn't have her children. And not only that, he was keeping the children longer and he wouldn't give them to her.
0: And at some point in there, Brittany lost custody of her children. She describes this heartbreaking scene where um, she's giving her boys to the mediator to take them back to their father. And the thought hits her because he's keeping them longer and longer and not holding up to their shared custody um, that she might not ever see her sons again. So she gives one back, but she takes the other to the bathroom and is like trying to spend more time with them and hold them. And her assistant or whoever was with her at the time was like, okay, well they'll wait for you. But then a SWAT team busts in and she was like, I thought you said they would wait. She was just yeah. holding her son. Um, mm-hmm. You know, terrified that she might them. not see him again or see him for a long time. Yeah. And so and I think him. that whole SWAT team busting in, that's what she says was a SWAT team. But whoever. Yeah. Um, yeah. That really um, gave ammunition for Kevin's case to get full custody. Yeah.
1: um,
0: Kevin keeping her children from
1: her. And the paparazzi constantly watching her. She gave them something to watch, and that is when she shaved her head, y'all. She shaved her head. Y'all remember that, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her father told so. her she was a disgrace mm-hmm. for shaving just, her head. Not nah, okay, baby. What's going on? Is this a look you just want to try? Right, right. Or is there something right. else going on that we need to talk about? Because you, my number one priority. What's going on with you? No. Mm-mm, they was mm-mm. like, you ain't even marketable.
1: <laughs> she talks about this gross uh, period where the paparazzi is still on her, uh, harassing her in a foul way. She takes her umbrella out. She starts beating the car. And the paparazzi uh, would later say in a documentary about her that that was not a good night for her. But it was a good night for us because we got the money shot. Mm. That's so gross. <laughs> rough life. Rough life. Um, when she got out, she ended up going to rehab. Her father... Like Carrie said, said she was a disgrace. She ended up going to rehab, and when she gets out of rehab, she's able to get temporary custody um, with Kevin but the fight was still on. In 2007, the song Give Me More is out and it's time to promote it. And in spite of her personal life being in shambles, she's still and still not being emotionally well. Her team pressures her to show the world she is fine. So Britney performs at the VMAs. She hasn't yet learned to use her voice. Britney hadn't performed in three years. So this was supposed to be a comeback. Um, but she wasn't fine and nothing was going right. And to top it all off, she ran into Justin backstage and he was at the top of his game and set to perform. And she doesn't defend her performance Um, That night, but she says every performer has a bad night, Mm -hmm. and she was later dogged by Sarah Silverman roasting her babies as adorable mistakes at the show. (laughs) At the show, meanwhile, she's sobbing backstage, and her performance and body will later be made fun of. Dr. Phil will call it a train wreck. Um, Carrie mentioned blackout, but the only press she did for blackout was with Ryan Seacrest who seemed only to be concerned with her parenting abilities and her ability um, to care for her children. Um, And she said she only went to rehab. She said
0: she wasn't abusing any substances. She went to rehab because the agreement was if she went, then they'll let her see her kids more. This is not court order. This is her family saying, we'll go to rehab and then maybe you can see your kids after a month or two. Yep.
1: Um, just one more note about Blackout was that it was Britney's first album to debut at number two, but it did set the highest record for digital sales for a female artist at that time. Um, and although her management team quit, her bodyguard went to court to say she was doing drugs and he wasn't cross examined at all. Um, a quarter appointed parenting coach says she loved her children. They had a clear bond and there was nothing in the home to be called abuse. Like Carrie said, she was not doing drugs. This is. That's
0: what she says. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what she tells us. She's not doing drugs. So there's no reason for her to be anything this violent to be happening to her, her children being removed from her. It's just all talk that people are saying. So in 2008, Brittany was taking too much Adderall and she was acting out. She was angry. She'd given her everything with Kevin and it and it and he turned on her. So she started dating a uh, a photographer, a former paparazzi. Uh, he was 10 years older and she would later learn that he was married. He gave Brittany the attention she wanted um, and encouraged her to rebel. And but he seemed to love her unconditionally. That's what Brittany felt. Uh, nobody liked the photographer and more. Um, and as they got more serious, the family tried to get Closer, until one day she got a call from her mom, and um, she thinks something is going on based on this call. And then she hears her mom tells her that the cops are after her. Let's go to the beach house. And Brittany is like, mm, "Why mom talking like this? This don't make sense. Um, I haven't done anything illegal. Why would the cops be looking for me?" So the photographer meets Brittany at the beach house, and they both realize that something is suspicious. And there are helicopters around the house and this SWAT team, another SWAT team. This is a second SWAT team. She mentioned they come in and they take her to the hospital and tell her that the conservatorship has been set up. Brittany says she has been set up and this is what she believes happened. Brittany's father owed this company that was owned by Louise Lou Taylor, $40,000 um, and the company, her her father was near bankruptcy and in order to pay, she believes her father and her mom and maybe even this Lou person colluded to put Brittany under this conservatorship. The conservatorship is typically reserved for people who have no mental capacity or people who can't do anything for themselves. But that wasn't the case with Britney. She was high functioning. She said there's two types of conservatorship, one for the person and the other for the estate. And this gave him total control of her life, where she lived, what she ate, what she drove, her day to day life, who she was in a relationship with, it controlled. The court told her that she was demented and that she wasn't allowed to select her own lawyer. And at the time, her estate was worth. Tens of millions of dollars. And her father wasn't there when she needed him the most. But he had signed up to be her conservator. Mm. Um, she would pay a lawyer four hundred twenty six thousand a year. And then the court appointed lawyer five hundred thousand. Um, and her father
0: was paying himself more than six million more than he paid her. Yeah. She went to take her dancers out to eat once and her car, bounced mm-hmm. <laughs> Britney Spears. Mm-hmm.
1: Brit, the Britney Spears, the Britney okay? Spears.
0: Okay. So there was a lot of back
1: and forth. Um, as soon as she's in this conservatorship, she also goes to work. So mm-hmm. technically she's, Capable of doing something because she goes on an episode of How I Met Your Father and how I Met Your Mother, and she goes out on a tour. There's a great quote here.
0: She says, "The conservatorship was created supposedly because I was incapable of doing anything at mm -hmm. all. So why was it that a few weeks later they had me shoot an episode of How I Met Your Mother and then sent me on a grueling world tour?" mm
1: -hmm. Good point. (laughs) Yeah, very good point. She couldn't. She her phones um, were being taken from her. She didn't have no privacy. Um, Her life for the last um, 13 years, she said, was like Groundhog Day. Groundhog's Day. You know, the movie where the character wakes up every day and it's the same day. Everything she did was scrutinized and controlled. She tells us the reason she did it was for her children. If she played by her father's rules, she would be able to see her children.
0: Mm, This is when I started crying in real life. She was getting served cans of vegetables. Uh, canned vegetables, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay?
1: Um, mm-hmm. uh, she was going to to work out. Mm-hmm. It, it, make sure your body stay right so you can be up on stage. This is her she father. Was, like, oh, you're looking father. a little
0: pudgy. You know, you're not sexy yes. right now. Hit the gym. Her dad. Mm-hmm.
1: Her father, yeah. She was paying Kevin's legal bills, child support. Um, and she paid to have her children join her on her tour. Mm-hmm. Again, if she is not capable of taking care of herself. How is she able to go on tour and do all of that?
0: And her lawyer was appointed by her conservatorship. So his interest, there's a conflict of interest there. Mm -hmm. There's also a conflict of interest between this company that her father owed money to and their involvement in the conservatorship. But she doesn't know that she has no legal advisor. She doesn't even know that she can get one. She just wants everyone to be content so that she can see her kids.
1: Yeah. And so, again, Brittany is doing... Everything she can to keep her um, children. Her parents even remarried after eight years of divorce. Each other, she, They remarried yes. each
0: other. This brought them yeah. closer together. Yeah, she is like. Um, she said, "Who does that?" Yeah, <laughs> they watching Criminal Intent every night, holding hands. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I mean a it. can of peas. Yeah, in my room.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Brittany went back in the studio, and she felt like she did. Everything she had to do to um, please her father. But again, as we mentioned, there's no, absolutely no pleasing him. Her diet was um, restricted. Uh, yeah, everything was hard. And so, year after year, she'd have these experiences. She would do things um, just as they said. She even went, she did the Vegas tour, and it was supposed to end in 2017 um and then in 2018 they were like you're gonna do another tour with Mm
0: -hmm. um she wanted to take her boys to Maui that was like supposed to be their special time together and they was like well after your residency in Vegas there'll be time and then that time Mm -hmm. came and they was like just kidding you gotta go on tour and she was like what and I do remember when the Vegas residency was announced and they had like I forget. Somebody announced her. There was fireworks. There was lights. There was cameras. Britney Spears lights, appeared and walked action. right to her car and drove away. She you saw that. I was looking for a video of that. Oh, but it's, on the, it's on the line. <laughs> OK, OK,
1: well, anyway, let's get kind of jumped to the end. Brittany is sent to another rehab facility for months and she's given cognitive tests, cognitive testing where they say she failed them. She's um, taken off her regular antidepressant and given lithium, which she knows her grandmother was on when she took her own
0: life. The stint in rehab there. Um, Why did they send her th- to this long period in rehab? Why did they lock her they, up? Her they family. got mad
1: about something that she did. Yeah. It was the um um the MGM thing where she
0: didn't do anything. Oh uh, where then, she got in the car and drove away and she was supposed to promote the tour.
1: Yeah. So as part of that, they was like, Oh, we see drugs, those regular energy um, supplements she was taking that were over the counter. They were like, Oh, we see drugs. And so they made that into a right. big thing. Yeah, yeah. And she said, was like on Celsius. going back. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. They was like, white tea and what?
1: Yeah, yeah, allegedly you're going back to jail. I mean, well, basically, yeah, that's what she mm-hmm. went back. So one day at this, um, this stint, and she's really having a hard time. I, it goes into a lot of detail about her experiences there, but she said, um, this in rehab, she knew they were trying to break her. She even felt like her family was trying to kill her. And then one day a nurse showed her a woman on a talk show talking about Britney and the conservatorship. And one of them had on a shirt that said hashtag free Britney. Mm-hmm. Then the nurse showed her other clips of fans trying to figure out if they were. She was being held somewhere against her will and how they could try to figure out how to help her. Eventually, people were marching in the streets. When Brittany was let out, her family came, was like, oh, we're so proud of you. You did it. <laughs> now we want to come stay with you. Brittany was like, what? Mm-hmm. Brittany really thought her family was out to kill her. And she had to pretend to be nice, nice. So she couldn't get killed. Brittany was still dealing with the effects of the lithium in her system. Um, And they came back to her house like nothing
0: happened. Mm-hmm. And she never... In her mind, her relationship with them was never the same. The fact that they did this to her, they isolated her from her children, from her world, and likely spread stories about her. Even the idea that she was on some type of narcotic drug and not on sports supplements, over-the-counter sports supplements, um, which she says is all she was taking. That was enough for her to realize her family was not on her side. And yet, if if it could be profitable for them, she felt they might even take her life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these strangers... This movement, this Free Britney movement that grew out of nowhere, just really revitalized her and felt like someone actually did see her, did care.
1: Yeah. And so there was a hit that came when her father got into it with her 13 year old son at the time, an argument. And shook him. The um, son went into the bedroom, and a fight ensued. And the dad broke down a door and shook him. So Kevin filed a police report, which barred her father from seeing the children. Brittany then um, files says that um, oh, in June of twenty twenty one. Brittany reported that her father's conservatorship was um, he's guilty of abuse of the conservatorship. Yeah. She got and new
0: representation first. And they was yeah. like, oh, yeah, let's end this. <laughs> yeah. And she and so and put was, it into I it. I think they attacked his um, control of the estate first. Yeah. And yep. then yep. the the whole conservatorship fell down. hmm. And she was and able then, to make a statement in court for the first time. Yeah. And that I do want you to read that.
1: So one of the things um, helped Brittany with her relationship is when she got out and she went to, back to her family home, her parent, her family had thrown all her stuff out and she realized then that they had thrown her out just like they thrown her stuff out. And she realized that she could start again. And she made peace with her family that she, and she decided that she would never see them again. Um, After she submitted to have her, the conservatorship ended, her sister came out of, with a book. Um, documentaries were being made about her. Friends were talking to filmmakers and not her. There was all kind of stuff going on. But on Jan- June 23rd, she got to make that statement.
0: My voice. It was everywhere. All over the world, on the radio, on television, on the Internet, but there were so many parts of me that had been suppressed. My voice had been used for me and against me so many times that I was afraid nobody would recognize it now if I spoke freely. What if they called me crazy? What if they said I was lying? What if I said the wrong thing and it all went sideways? I had written so many versions of the statement. I tried a million ways to get it right, to say what I needed to say, but now in the moment, I was so nervous. And then through the fear, I remember that there were still things that I could hold on to. My desire for people to understand what I'd been through. My faith that all this could change. My belief that I had a right to experience joy. My knowledge that I deserved my freedom. The sense, deeply felt and profound, that the woman in me was still strong enough to fight for what was right. And so, for the first time in what felt like forever, I began to tell my story. I said to the judge, I've lied and told the whole world that I'm okay and I'm happy. It's a lie. I thought that maybe if I just said that enough, maybe I might become happy because I've been in denial. But now I'm telling you the truth, okay? I'm not happy. I can't sleep. I'm so angry. It's insane. And I'm depressed. I cry every day. I went on to say, I don't even drink alcohol. I should drink alcohol considering what they've put my heart through. I said, I wish I could stay on the phone with you forever because when I get off the phone with you, all of a sudden, all I hear are these no's and then all of a sudden, I feel ganged up on and I feel bullied and I feel left out and alone and I'm tired of feeling alone.
1: Brittany hired her own lawyer and on July 26th, the lawyer filed to eliminate her father as a conservator and on September 29th, her father was suspended as the conservator and by November, Brittany was no longer under a conservatorship. And that brings us to the end. Let's
0: take a quick break. Okay. And we're back. Alexis, thank you so much for that deep dive into the woman in me. A book I was so surprised really got me in my emotions. Wow! What a story happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, now let's go to our theme of the week. And the theme of the week, listeners, is when we discuss a theme inspired by the topic uh, around the book or the topics in the book. This week, the theme is the creation of American music. Alexis, I want to ask you: uh, Do you know what culture has the greatest influence over American music? I would say the black culture. That's right. That's right. That's African-American culture. While this is documented and we'll just break it down a little bit right now, American music has gone on to be the greatest influence over global music. And even before, though, the 20th century began, you had blues music evolving across the country. this was based on African-American um, or Black American spirituals and work calls and chants. Um, blues would be far reaching and its influence felt in everything from jazz to rock, country music to rhythm and blues. And yes, even classical music with similar mm-hmm. roots to blues. Jazz also took on another art form in ragtime um, and People really had a problem with this at the time. Even Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, are documented for being against this type of music because it was too black. And a lot of um, the outrage was over the racism. Um, even the the melody, if it sounded too <laughs> rhythmic, people would be upset. Yet the insistence and danceability of this music could not be fought. It's ever mutating style turned itself into swing music, soul and cool jazz. Rock's popularity quickly spread around the world. Uh, you have Elvis Presley, Chuck Berry. They created rock and roll using the musical influence of Boogie Woogie and blues. Soul music, which grew up alongside rock and roll, also developed out of African-American gospel and rap music uh, with its semi autobiographical lyrics and deep rhythms are just one more evolution of blues. So I thought this was an interesting topic and I'll include some sources um, in the show notes. One specifically is a PBS article where a lot of this discussion is taken from. Um, But if any of us were to Google what culture has the greatest influence on American music? The answer may not surprise us, Uh, but I thought it was interesting that Britney Spears says NSYNC was so pimp. They were hanging around black artists when the Backstreet Boys were marketing themselves as a predominantly white musical group. For many, black music means hip hop, and that seems to be true um, in Britney's case. And it is true that hip hop is black music, right, Alexis? I agree. Yeah, but the influence of black American culture on this country and the world as a whole is much bigger than hip hop. There comes a time in many a serious pop singer's life when they feel the need to put on a black persona costume. Have you seen this? (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. Let's talk about it. Can we talk about it? So the costume is fun. It's inspired by hip hop legends usually and comes with certified cool branding. You're cool now because you have a short haircut. You wear street clothes. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have a black love interest in your video. Maybe you twerk too, Miley Cyrus. But when the costume has served its purpose, it can be removed and you Mm -hmm. can record Man of the Woods. I'm just kidding. I never, (laughs) I don't even mess with that man, I don't know. But examples include Nick Jonas singing about bacon with Remy Ma, ASAP Ferg inexplicably in a diner with fabulous, um, Iggy Azalea, a whole Australian emulating an accent and a life for clicks and cash, Justin Bieber's everything, the Backstreet everything. Boys stealing boys to men's entire portfolio for a mainstream audience in sync, and Justin's uh, cornrows. Like we never forget that. Mm-hmm. And all of these people are talented. That is not the discussion. Don't get me wrong. These are talented people. But there's a disingenuous style and persona that's late and tired uh, that I'm trying to explain here. So... Examples of artists who perhaps don't put on this black persona costume, as far as I know, would be Taylor Swift, who y'all may be friends with Ice Spice. Uh, JoJo, who <laughs> has kidnapped an entire black choir and is holding them all hostage in her throat. <laughs> I don't know why y'all let JoJo do that, but she's been doing it. Kelly Clarkson, too. I think she got a black choir in her throat. Yeah, Ed Sheeran, Clarkson, who is super sure. into Afro beats, but I don't see him with cornrows uh, singing about bacon with Fabulous in the diner. I don't know. And I haven't seen Harry Styles put on this suit, but I don't pay him much attention either. So the problem is that many black artists, especially during the time of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, were not seen as marketable. And it had nothing to do with how upstanding a citizen they were. Middle American teenage girls weren't going to hang Casey and JoJo on their walls and lockers. They weren't asking their parents to buy magazines with Wanye on the cover. And so these artists were ripped off and mimicked by producers who distilled the essence of their artistry into a wider, more widely accepted package. And today in the year of 2023, we have Britney telling us that the Backstreet Boys were wider than In Sync when both groups of talented young men came from the same clone factory. Mm. Um, So that's that. That's just something I wanted to talk about. Did you have any thoughts about American music, where it began, how it's evolved, and the phenomena of Black culture on pop music?
1: I think it's fascinating and I'm really glad you spoke about it because it's all very true. All very true. It's like, why do you have to put on the costume to do it? Just be you. Just be you. Because I feel like um, Adele is one of those people with those um, those deep rooted uh, voices. So she do not do it, mm-hmm. but she doesn't she doesn't put on it anything like that. Mm-hmm.
0: It seems like with a lot of R&B or soulful singers, they don't need to do that. Uh, or, or Amy telling Winehouse didn't do it. Yeah. Amy Winehouse didn't even do it. So right. it, there is
1: something to this marketing scheme where they're trying to fix, if you will, mm-hmm. um, this look so that uh, it's more appealing to others. Mainstream, so, yeah. mm-hmm. make money.
0: All over the world. And then okay. all over the world, people get an idea of what American music is, and they may not even associate it with Black artists. They will not associate it
1: with Black artists. They'll say so-and-so, John Charlie down there. He did mm-hmm. it. He did
0: it. And yeah, he's they'll not say black. Elvis Presley invented rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's that on that. If you are uh, listeners, especially on YouTube, want to chime in with your thoughts on this uh, phenomenon, please let us know. And let's move on to the verdict.
1: So now, Kari, what's your final verdict? And would you recommend this book?
0: This book took me places I was not ready to go. I did not know how... Um, someone who wasn't the author, reading the author's words would make me feel, whew, I was feeling things. Uh, my heart was breaking for Brittany. And lo- the crazy thing is a lot of the things she's discussing, no one can dispute because we was all there. Not all of us, <laughs> but a lot of us. a lot of us saw it. They, mm-hmm. We saw the effect that media had on her life, the way they mm-hmm. portrayed her and the way paparazzi, how icky people her. were allowed mm-hmm. to be. Yeah, This reminded me of Spare when I was like, "Ooh, you couldn't, paparazzi couldn't get away with that here. They was getting away with it here. I completely forgot. I don't know if their level of invasiveness is as it was back then today. Um, but if so, look at what it does to people. Look what it does to people's lives. I read a few interviews from her brother, um, from ex-boyfriends who were in favor of the conservatorship. And their reasons are mind blowing to me. Um, In both cases, they said Britney didn't know enough about the real world. She didn't know how much things cost. She didn't know, you know, how to get around on her own. And my thing is, does that mean you have to give up your rights as a citizen? No, no. And that
1: doesn't even make sense. Because you don't know how much things cost? That don't make sense. But that fits with her life because she was a child and she went back right into this other world. So that's dumb. That logic is off. It has <laughs> that's nothing to do with anything.
0: <laughs> do you think millionaires are out here? Hundredaires are out here really knowing how much <laughs> things cost. Do you think I know how much milk costs? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Girl, I try to I stay do. away from I such do. things. <laughs> Alexis has completely <laughs> fled the country mm-hmm. She don't know how much Stuff is costing over here Mm-mm. So that is not an excuse To take away a mother From her children No one is she saying Yeah she not. was heavily Into drugs Noth- None of the interviews Nobody I read. said that
1: No one Nobody Now if
0: you want to say That she's an unfit mother Because she is Endangering the life Of her children And she's under The influence of narcotics We can talk Not us But you know the court. <laughs> But you talking about she don't know how to get around. Oh, please Just, um, don't come for me because without Google Maps, I would be lost. <laughs> I did not know how flimsy the case was against her for her not to have a say and to get her entire life taken. If they can do it to Britney Spears, they can, they can do, do it, it to, to you anybody. and they can definitely do it to me. So to answer your question, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. I felt like it was a, a really emotionally draining, but just because of the feelings I was feeling reading Brittany's words, I was really emoting for her and I can't believe what she went through. Um, and she even talks about the type of pictures she posts on Instagram now and how no one's really down with it, but it's her way of um being in control of her life for Mm -hmm. once in her life. So she knows she seems kooky. She says she like, she knows she may seem weird to people, but this is her finding herself for the first time in her life. So anyway, I thought she talked about everything we wanted to know and some stuff she just wanted to say. I thought it was really honest. Um, Again, these are all just her what she's telling us. So all we, we don't necessarily know the truth. We know the truth as it, as she's explaining it here. Um, And I thought she did a very good job. So I would recommend this book. Alexis, what about you? What do you think of The Woman in Me by Britney Spears? And is this a book you'd recommend?
1: So uh, her book made me think a lot of Prince Harry's story, um, particularly being hounded by the paparazzi and the feelings that they both seem to have towards the paparazzi, they are a problem and something must be done about them. And what purpose do they serve? What purpose? Mm -hmm. And stop it. I guess people want to know. People want to see. Well, if you're a
0: Kardashian and you call them like, meet me here, here and here, that's different. You're like controlling the story. But if you're like, if, if someone does not want to be filmed by the paparazzi, is it fair to say, well, they, then they shouldn't be famous?
1: That's what people say, though, right? right? That's what people say. That's the
0: expression.
1: But I don't think that intrusion in your life is, should be allowed to the degree that the paparazzi does it. And these interview questions, they really degraded her um, and objectify her. I mean, in the way they treated her um, talking about her breasts. Why are you talking about this teenage girl's breasts? Yeah, do you interview? have implants?
0: She holds 17, a whole entire oh. 17. Yeah, so
1: um, the book, I think she told her story well. Um, but she actually is, audi- the second portion of the audio reading is her. Mm-hmm. And so um it, it is a, an emotional story because you hear how hard her life was and what she was experiencing. And you you um, you you have so much compassion for her. I did. I'll speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I, I had so I much compassion for her because her she was really going through it. So um, I recommend it to those who want to read about Brittany's uh, life. Yes, I would recommend it to those that want to read about Brittany's life. If you don't, then don't.
0: That's for you. All right. Thank you, Alexis. You did a great job. What are we reading next week? Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. Sometimes I like to throw a classic in there, especially one I feel like I should have read that people reference, And I'm like, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Have you read it, Alexis? I have not. I have not. Okay. So it'll be be great. (laughs) It'll be great. Well, thank you guys for listening to Lit Society. You can catch Lit Society every Thursday. Support the cause by leaving a comment for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, along with a note about why you love us. We love you too. We love you too. If you loved what you just heard, please share this episode with a friend, at least one friend, and let them know, you know, they might like this podcast too. Visit litsocietypod.com to sign up for our email newsletter. And until next time, you guys, read Read something. something.